Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. But I always say that the number one hormone that women need to focus on when it comes to when it comes to our 40s and beyond is insulin, because insulin, we think about even, you know, we think about hemoglobin A1C as an inflammatory marker because of insulin resistance. And that is also showing us um, that insulin resistance leads to dementia or cardiovascular disease or cancer or, you know, a number of different chronic conditions. And what a lot of us don't know is one of the biggest triggers for insulin resistance is going to be deregulated cortisol levels due to how we're managing stress in our stress response system on the daily. Welcome to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization, and becoming more of who you already are. Every week, we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families. I'll be giving you access to world-class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question. What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. Hey, hey, Bettys. Welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. It's me, Stephanie Estima. I have a special treat for you today. We did our very first ever live podcast recording inside my monthly membership, Hello Betty. And the first guest to honor and to have this privilege was the guest that you are going to hear today, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Maritza Snyder. Now, you may remember Maritza from our first rendezvous on the podcast about a year ago, and she is rejoining us on the podcast to talk about her newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution. Now, a little bit about uh, Dr. Maritza. She's a functional practitioner, a woman's hormone expert, and the author of eight, count them, eight (laughs) books. So her most recent book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution, is focusing on solutions for women in perimenopause and menopause. And it is the companion to her number one best-selling book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. So she has been featured all over the place, Dr. Oz, Oprah Magazine, Fox News Health, Mind Body Green, and many other publications. She's also a podcast host. She hosts the top-rated Essentially You podcast. It has over 2.7 million downloads, and she's just an all-around wonderful human being. So in terms of what we spoke about 
uh, we talked about all things hormonal dysregulation. So in perimenopause, we discussed the concept of estrogen dominance, what it looks like. We talked about low progesterone how it can appear. And those two are twinsies. They often go together. We talked about how we can amplify liver detoxification and why your liver may be related to some of the hot flashes that you may be experiencing and how we can amp up detoxification. Uh, there are specific um, phases of detoxification that the liver undergoes. There's phase one, there's phase two. We talked about how we can upregulate uh, each of those. We talked about chronic stress. Hello, Betty. Can we all relate to chronic stress as women, especially in our forties with you know, children that may have special needs or just with the homeschooling situation in the past year, uh, aging parents and being everything to everyone. So we talked about how stress can impact our menstrual cycle, how it can impact inflammation, how it can impact our insulin. And then of course, that was a nice bridge into the conversation around insulin resistance and how we can help. And then towards the end of our conversation, we got into some of these specific essential oils that she likes to use for sleep. Uh, so essential oil remedies for energy slumps, for moodiness and irritability. Uh, and then for common issues like the estrogen dominance, the stress, the brain fog cravings, all of that. And we did a deep little nerdy dive into lavender, uh, peppermint oil. And man, I pulled up some really cool studies. I'll include them in the show notes for you in terms of some of the studies that have been done on lavender essential oils, cognitive decline in Alzheimer's disease, stress, anxiety, and depression, sleep, and pain tolerance. So really, really interesting stuff here. And, um, and then we did a little rapid fire, little rapid fire uh, questions for her. That was a lot of fun. Okay, so before we get into today's very juicy conversation, I wanted to let my Bettys know that the audiobook version of my best-selling book, The Betty Body, is currently available. So you can get it on Amazon and Audible. Just search for The Betty Body. That's B-E-T-T-Y, B-O-D-Y. And we are sitting at over 170 five-star reviews on Amazon. So it's really, really well-received. And I'm really, really proud of it. It. And if you haven't already picked up your book, please go do so either in a Kindle format, the Audible Now, paperback or hardcover. And if you are one of the thousands of women who have already um, purchased a copy of the book, make sure that you head over to the BettyBodyBook.com because I still have those treats for you. I have those $500 in gifts for you as a way of thanking you for supporting the book, the impact that this book is having, but most of all for investing in your health. It can be really scary to make change. I totally understand that. And I want to just support and treat you in the best way that I can. All right. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Maritza Snyder. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various 
effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk, and my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. All right. So we are doing something really new and exciting for this episode. We have a live recording of our podcast inside our Hello Betty membership. And I'm thrilled that the person that I'm doing it with is my friend, my colleague, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, honey. I am so thrilled to be here. So we had you on the podcast about a year ago and we were talking about hormones and we're going to pick up that conversation again. So we'll make sure that we link out that original conversation in the show notes, but we are going to talk about the hormones that are involved in perimenopause and in menopause. So what's happening, right? What we can expect, how we can prepare, what are some solutions? And then of course, you know, you are sort of the essential oil, you know, goddess. So we're going to talk about, you know, some some ways that we can use essential oils as well. In addition to a lot of the, you know, you and I have spoken online and offline about lifestyle modifications and we're, you know, very much aligned in in many ways. So, um, and for, and I'll also just say that you've written a book, you've written a book on this as well. So the essential oil hormone solution, uh, on perimenopause and menopause. And when we release this episode, it will be the week that your book is, um, is being released. And that is when, when are we releasing this podcast? The week of April 20th. 
Okay. So this is coming out April 19th because these, these interviews drop on the the (laughs) Monday. All right. So let's actually start. I've, I've had the privilege of reading, uh, having an advanced copy of the book. It's wonderful. And you start the book off with, um, this story that I, be, I believe really impact this, this life event with you and your mother that really impacted your um, belief around perimenopause and in many ways, the impetus for writing the book. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but maybe you can share uh, with our listeners, with our Bettys inside um, the Hello Betty Club. And of course uh, our better listeners as well, what that, what that was what was your yeah, absolutely yeah um well it started you know i knew my mom had had you know had been my whole my mom's whole life she had had hormone issues and um you know growing up um and we've taught my mom and i have talked at length about this but it was like a dr jekyll mr hyde moment you know my mom would um be at the end of her luteal cycle she had severe pms symptoms and, and you know this is in the 80s and the 90s where we we really didn't have anything for women um maybe we're even, we were recommending birth control, but I don't even know if we were doing that. Like, like I really felt like we didn't, I mean, as a child, I didn't know what was going on, but my mom would just have these rages and then um, she would be back, be back to our mom again. So I knew at the time, I didn't know that it was hormone related. I was just a little girl. And, um, but as I was growing up into my twenties, when I started having my own hormone issues and, and struggling with mood issues as well, like, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels a lot like what my mom had struggled with most of her adult life. Well, it really came to a head for my mom in her late forties like so many women um, who are navigating what I call stage two of perimenopause. And she, at that point, the night sweats had had ensued. She was having severe heavy bleeding where um, there was a story in the book that we ended up having to de- they, they ended up cutting a bunch of it, but she went through 30 pads one day or 30 tampons and flushed them all down the toilet, um, had a plumber and this guy comes out and he's got like a handful of them. And he's like, do you know there's 30 tampons in your toilet and you don't wonder what is wrong with it? Like just major shamed her. It just this this horrible moment. Um, and what was she going to do? Like she was just profusely bleeding because she, she had severe, you know, at the end, our estrogen levels are up and down all over. Um, she probably had, you know, severe estrogen dominance at that point, potentially a fibroid she didn't know about, you know, who knows. And so that was kind of that moment of enough is enough, um, went to a, um, a OBGYN, was prescribed synthetic estrogen and no progesterone, just synthetic estrogen and um, proceeded down this spiral where about a month and a half to two months in, she was having severe depression. She wasn't sleeping throughout the night. She was having a difficult time getting out of bed. And if you knew my mom, my mom is like this, just get up, go, just rock star. Like nothing could defeat her. She's such, you know, just an amazing, like the epitome. She's the, she's the ultimate Betty. She's the superwoman of super. <laughs> women, you know, and, and so she'd been going through this. She hadn't told me what was going on. She just kind of wanted to manage it herself. Cause I think she had a lot of shame with the symptoms that she was dealing with. She was embarrassed to tell me until one night I get a call at one in the morning, you know, when like your family calls you three times in a row and you're in at one o'clock in the morning and you're just like, I got to pick this up. And, um, my mom was, I mean, I cannot, I can't even describe the, the, the sound of that. She was so scared. 
scared. She was having suicidal thoughts. She was in a very severe depression. And she's like, I know it was these. And I know that synthetic hormones don't do this to everybody. But she was like, I know it's the synthetic estrogen patch they have me on. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's go backwards. When did this happen? So we we ended up um, working with her her doctors. We got her off of the estrogen patch. We, we, um, we found out she had severe nutrient deficiencies. She was consuming a ton of sugar. Like there were just a lot of things that were going off the rails. She was overworking. And so um, I put her on, on my protocol. We, and within 60 days, she had dropped 25 plus pounds. She was out of the depression. She was sleeping throughout the night. But more importantly, the biggest thing my mom has always wanted from me. She's like, can you just, can you hook me up with some more energy? Can you just give me a little bit more energy? It's always <laughs> what she's been asking for. And I delivered. Um, fast forward, my mom turned 60 in October. Guys, you have to see, you have to see this picture of this woman. Like I, when you put her picture on Instagram, I was like, oh my God, it's like JLo. It's like, she is the JLo that I, like, she's the closest to JLo that I know. She was like in cowboy boots, little, like a skirt. And I was like, yeah, this looked amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. She, so she's ran 75 um, half marathons and marathons. She's a competitive tennis player. She hikes at four in the morning. She runs half marathons at four in the morning and then goes about the rest of her day. I mean, she's just such. She like, she literally in that moment at 48, 49, I probably had that sense of like, am I ever going to recover? Is this ever going to get better? And here she is 11 years later. And she just in that, in her fifties, just reinvented, just be, just is living her best life, doing the things she loves, rocking her business and um, doing it with so much ease and grace and confidence, just really painting the picture for what's possible um, for any of us. Um, as we navigate some of the best years of our life. I love that. I love that because it's such a story of inspiration because we all want, we, you know, I think that we're taught as a society that we need to fear this time. When we are menopausal, then our sexuality is no longer relevant. Our sensuality is no longer relevant. Our bodies are no longer relevant and we're going to just hate it. There's going to be the hot flashes. And we're going to talk about a lot of those, you know, symptomatic presentations and how we might naturally ameliorate them. But I think that there's generally a a, a societal um, sort of opinion that menopausal women don't matter. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. I've been on your podcast. I've talked about this. And like, I, you know, your mom, like I said, is like the JLo, like the closest to JLo that I am probably ever going to get to because she reminds me of someone who absolutely refused to accept that. And, you know, in this sort of era of, cancel culture and, you know, people deciding when you're done, like your mom was like, I'm, I'm actually going to decide when I'm done. And it's yeah, not And now. I'm going to start, yeah. I'm going to do this new, this new life, you know, yeah. and, um, cause she was a young mom when she had us too. And I think about, you know, a lot of the opinions around JLo, I mean, let's, you know, the fact that JLo, you know, being 50 years old, she's got amazing resources, but at the end of the day, you could have all the trainers, you could have all the nutritionists, you could have all the people in the world around you, but it's, it's the JLo worked to do all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she put in the work, just like my mama, my mama put in, she put in, she, she's, she's, she's committed to the supplement. She's committed to the anti-inflammatory diet. She's committed to moving her body every day. She's committed to community. I think that's such a big piece of this is women, us being a part of community. Yeah. Um, and so I think she's just, she decided she made a decision. She chose in, she shifted her belief mindset around what it's going to look like. It ain't, it ain't my grandma's menopause. I'll 
I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> and she decided it was going to look a lot different than her mother. Right. And um, and she has, I mean, it's been she's such a she's such a shero for me, my mom, because I'm like I want I want to look and do those things when I get when I get older. <laughs> yeah, she is and, the ultimate Betty. She Jody, yeah. your mom is the ultimate. Betty. And she isn't J Lo. She didn't have she didn't have million dollar resources like Jennifer Lopez did. You know, and I just that's what I love to paint that picture as is that you absolutely get to have that um, even, you know, with the with the resources, this can all be done at home. That's what's yes. so important yes. is that um, this, you know, you're not talking about having a huge crew of practitioners and trainers and all of chefs that. Chefs and all yeah, that. Chefs. No, mm-hmm. this can all be, these are, they're my, my mama took my recipes, you know, my green smoothies recipes, you know, she, you know, super easy supplementation. Um, and again, and, and these running groups are free. She just runs with her girls, you know, every day and, um, and has made such a big profound you know, difference in her life. I love that. So let's actually dive into some of the hormonal changes that we see in in perimenopause. Like there's several, you know, geeky magic carpet rides that I would like to go on with you here. Uh, But you mentioned one of them, which was estrogen dominance. And I think when we think about what are one of the easier ones to identify uh, just by nature of the um, archetype of the bleed and the changes that we see in the period itself, let's, let's start with what might be some of the clues uh, that a woman in perimenopause, and I'll just say that you and I, I, I loosely define perimenopause as sort of mid thirties, like mid to late thirties, which I know is um, aligned with, I think you talk about it at 35, 30, like 35, 36. So what are some of the clues that a woman can tease out both from her period or her bleed week or weeks um, and her menstrual cycle in aggregate that might be suggestive of estrogen dominance. Absolutely. Well, let's just paint the picture of what is going on. And I know, I know some of you are listening to this thinking 35, 36. Oh, uh-uh. you know, cause no, no one wants to even think about perimenopause at that age. But if you can kind of go back to that time, I know I remember that time very vividly and go back to that time and think about how you were feeling all of a sudden things just started to shift and you weren't exactly sure what it was asking your girlfriends about it. Like, huh? Like, are you, finding yourself with that third cup of coffee at four o'clock in the afternoon or are you dipping into those peanut m&ms or you know like you're thinking about you're like oh are you were you having a harder time getting up in the morning like all of a sudden those burpees you couldn't do those anymore as well as you like you start to think about some of the things that were happening and we start you start to look and you're like oh yeah no things were shifting then I just I was just shoving it over here because who no one's ready to recognize when those kind of changes happen but I think it's important that we do um, I think a couple of reasons why we start to see it at an earlier age. Now, I don't think that perimenopause, you know, maybe a couple of decades ago was happening in our mid to late 30s. I think lifestyle changes and shifts are happening. I think the stress of, of women taking on careers and taking on motherhood and taking on everything um, plays a role. I think the, our, our, our toxic burden is adding up. I think the foods that we're consuming can add up as well. And the products that we use, those just little things are to chip away and, and we we start to see as we get that perimenopause can come a little bit earlier than what used to be proposed, like maybe 42. 
Um, but basically what's happening, one of the first things that we start to see is a very slow decline of progesterone. Now, what we know about progesterone is it's the hormone that we've taken for granted. She is the <laughs> hormone. <laughs> we don't pay attention to her that much. Um, she happens because of the main event, which is ovulation. You know, we always think about our periods and our bleeds being the main event because it's always a thing that everyone's ever talked about. But really, I call her the popular girl. The period yeah, she's is the popular, popular girl. girl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the mo but really who should be the popular girl, the girl, you know, with the glasses still and maybe hasn't figured out she's the popular girl yet is definitely yeah. progest or ovulation. Mm -hmm. So once ovulation happens and we get robust, great ovulation, the corpus luteum, when it's robust as well, is going to release progesterone. But as we saunter into our mid to late thirties, um, just the way our biology is set up and not to say that we couldn't expand, um, our, you know, reproduction biological reproduction. Definitely that's possible. But for the most of us, things start to shift where we lose progesterone and where we start to notice that a couple things can happen. One, um, I don't think our cycle really begins to shorten too much in the luteal phase yet, but you may all of a sudden, you may have been 29 or 30 days on the dot. Maybe now you're showing up at 28, 27. Yeah. Um, all yeah. of a sudden symptoms, you maybe start to really notice those PMS symptoms. Maybe you're noticing a migraine the day of your period the day before your period maybe you're noticing your 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 breasts are just a little bit just they they feel tight and maybe a little fibrous maybe a little bit tender lumpy um, and, and bumpy mm -hmm, yeah. lumpy bumpy mine are lumpy bumpy because i've got they got milk in them right now <laughs> <laughs> you're breastfeeding yeah i'm breastfeeding i'm i'm perimenopause and postmenopause and postmenopause and postpartum right postpartum, now yeah, yeah. i'm like in a double whammy of a situation <laughs> at the moment it's your next um, book <laughs> um <laughs> And then also you may notice um, some, some heavier bleeding, just some heavier bleeding that could be going on. Not necessarily, not until we get into our maybe early forties to mid forties that we really start to notice that heavy bleeding definitely towards the end of our forties as well. And then you may also notice a little bit of a, just um, kind of a more, maybe noticing some more of your emotions, just noticing some of those things. Maybe you're just feeling a little bit like you're at a point where like, I wish somebody would, you know, the first couple of days of your cycle, right before your cycle. Um, those are some of the, the lookouts that we're looking for. Food cravings, chocolate cravings can be happening there. Um, and also you may notice that all of a sudden, what it was super easy to lose weight in your twenties, in your early thirties. And all of a sudden, maybe not so easy, like weights just holding on a little bit longer. And and that has a lot to do with the fact that progesterone is um, is, is is insulin. It's protecting you from insulin resistance, as, um, estrogen and progesterone. Um, as we start to see progesterone dropping um, and estrogen dropping, we become more insulin resistant. And so though that's the other thing that's going to see you may start to see you're just holding on to to, to belly fat. Um, it's not easy to get rid of, or you may just find yourself putting on weight and it's not coming off as, as easy as it used to. So those are some of the, the first signs and symptoms that you're dealing with, with perimenopause. Um, but again, driven by, um, oftentimes external environmental factors. Yeah. And you, you mentioned a very important point. I just wanted to highlight it in, you must ovulate in order to produce, produce progesterone. So the follicle that was housing the egg releases the egg that's ovulation. And then that follicle 
becomes the corpus luteum, which now has this capacity to uh, secrete progesterone in anticipation of a fertilized egg. So very important point that you made. Um, what I noticed personally, and I went, I ran estrogen dominant for years was my bleeding. I would see like clotting, like really big clots in the blood, in the bleed week. And I would always, when I was going into practice, and I've said this before on the pod, I would have to bring uh, like two pairs of pants with me. Because if I got stuck, not stuck, but if I was in a new patient exam, which is about ran me about 45 minutes or a report of findings with a patient where I was going over their x-rays and whatever that was going over with them. And that was like, you know, that took 30 minutes or 45 minutes and I wasn't able to get, you know, to be able to change. Then I knew that there was going to be like, I was going to, there's going to be a situation. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So very good points. So let's talk a little bit about you know, you're, you're an integrative practitioner in that, you know, you know that, and I know that estrogen dominance doesn't just happen in isolation, right? There are things, there are systemic uh, patterns, uh, poor liver detoxification, poor gut clearance that can lead to that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, liver detoxification and the role that it has in, um, in, adding to or, you know, improving or not improving um, your estrogen, your potential for estrogen clearance? Mm-hmm. Well, we think about the role of our liver and all the things that she is doing. I like that all of the, I like that they're all female, by the way. Progesterone's a lady. The liver is the lady. I like it. Keep going. <laughs> uh, she, I mean, talk about the ultimate multitasker, right? Yep. She is running 500 different jobs all at one time. And we should, I don't know if we should all aspire to be like the liver, but definitely she's doing big things um, from filtering blood to making hormones, to storing hormones, to helping to regulate blood sugar levels, um, to ensuring, you know, that we're clotting, that we have blood clot, clotting agents, you know, all of those things are happening, that we are clearing toxins such as caffeine, ibuprofen, hormones, but one of the most important hormones we know is estrogen, like estrogen, estradiol. It's a proliferative hormone. So we always got to be, we got to, you got, we got to use it and lose it. That's how it works. And really with a lot of hormones, we got to use them and, and lose them. We got to go. And so part of that big job is our liver. It's constantly moving through and breaking down estrogen. And what happens is in phase one, right? We, we have three different pathways, um, but phase one oxidizes phase two methods methylates. And then we head over to the gut, which is phase three, where our estrobolum comes into play. Um, and that helps to package it up and send it on through mostly through our bowel movements, but also through urine as well. Um, and so even constipation, if we're dealing with constipation of any level, we know that even if estrogen is packaged, it can be recirculated back into the system and having the liver has to go back and do that job again. And so what's really critical is that if our liver is doing so many jobs. And then we, we, we guzzle down two glasses of wine at night. All of a sudden your liver is having to deal with another job of breaking down alcohol, right? It's running through its priorities and maybe it has to like slow down the ability to break down estrogen or in an instance, also liver, your liver may not have all the right cofactors, vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. It needs to actually run the reactions in phase one and phase two. So all of those are playing a role. The third area of, of, of concern is all of the external estrogens that we're getting bombarded by, um, whether it's fragrance or phthalates or parabens or, you know, um, sodium laurel sulfate, whatever whatever it is, um, throughout the day, we're we getting exposed to endocrine disruptors that your liver is 
also having to deal with. Um, and, and that is a big part of why your liver could actually, I wouldn't call it necessarily congestion, but just slow down the process of breaking things down. And when we're not able to do that job, when the liver's not able to do the job of breaking everything down, especially estrogen, we could have basically, we could have a, a stockpile like the, the, the sink or the bathtub could just be overflowing. And ultimately we have receptor sites on every single, almost every cell in the body when it comes to estrogen, even, even our brain, estrogen is neuroprotective, um, where, where some of these not so, not so healthy, not so good estrogens are binding to those receptor sites and causing some problems. Yeah. And it's just, it's really about, as you said, using it and losing it. You want to stimulate the estrogen receptor, but then you don't want it to be stimulated all the time. Right. So I love that you're talking about that. And I think that, you know, you mentioned briefly some of the, um, like the hydro, you know, adding that OH group, that first phase of liver detoxification where we're hydroxylating the estrogen metabolite. And one of the things that um, is so important, and we've talked about this with Dr. Carrie Jones, who I know has been on your podcast and who you know uh, very well, but when you are uh, promoting these sort of less than optimal pathways, you will continue, as you're saying, you will continue to stimulate the estrogen receptor and you need to metabolize it. Like the, you know, when we think about the, when estrogen drops, like in those couple of days, right before you get your period, that's when you're metabolizing your estrogen. You need to get rid of it at that point. You don't want it anymore. So what are some ways that we can amplify, um, both phase one and phase two, we, we have, we, you were talking about conjugation as as well, um, which is basically just preparing it for renal or biliary uh, excretion. Yeah, basically it's going through through the renal system or it's going through where we're going to break it down through the gut into the right. into the bowels. So how can we amplify? What are some natural ways that we can level up our estrogen detoxification, both phase one, phase two, and then talk about uh, phase three as well, the estrogen. Absolutely. Bolon. Well, I think one of the, and, and you know, I'm a big, I am a proponent of, of hormone testing. So it's always nice to know which, which, um, which pathway estrogen's going, estradiol in particular, and they all go through different pathways pathways. It just depends, but there is your, your, um, two OH pathway, your four OH pathway and your 16 OH pathway, your two OH pathway is the safest pathway. It's going to, it's going to help. It's, it's the pathway you want estrogen to be metabolized. The four OH is the, it's, it's potentially pre a precancerous pathway and the 16 OH pathway is going to be the pathway that's proliferative. And so that's where you're going to feel the lumpy breasts. It's where you're going to fibroids are going to be created there. There's some benefits to the O16 pathway, but for the most part, we want to be mindful of it because it is proliferative. You know, estrogen is a growth hormone at the end of the day, um, which really benefits us until it doesn't. Um, so we always want to be mindful of that. Um, so it's it would I always recommend you. It's important to know which of the, which of the phases you may be having some struggles. Um, but if you're not able to afford it or you're not able to do that type of testing or it's just it just feels overwhelming, there's just a lot of things that you can do anyway. So one of the things I always recommend, you know, even starting your morning with a like a, a liver supporting, gut supporting detox water, you know, water with lemon, a little bit of apple cider vinegar, um, maybe some cucumbers, some mint, just something, you know, 
you're being able to kind of support the, the gut, kind of get it primed and prepped, the gut and liver, just starting your morning. It'd be the first thing I would do is just giving your, your liver and your gut some water. Um, and definitely you can make it a little bit of a detox water to kind of get it, to get it set up for success. Or just other things like, oh yeah. Water is boring. I just need to flavor my water. You got to flavor it up. <laughs> I got to have well, there's some benefits to flavor too. You know, yes. there's, are there definitely some benefits to flavor? Um, I love water. So it's not, it's not a hard thing for me to do to just drink plain water, but I do, I mean, who doesn't want to give, give your body the, all the big benefits if it can. And it's so simple to do. Um, the next thing you want to look at is, is looking at nutrient deficiencies. I would say the majority of us are, if you are someone who is saying things like, you know what, I got to go, I'm super busy. I've got a lot going on. Um, when you have any conversation with anybody, it's a good chance that you're in a stress response mode and we burn through nutrients. We burn through key nutrients. Um, some of the most important ones that are going to benefit um, your liver and your gut and your hormones too is going to be methylated B vitamins, like all of them, B12, B9, all of it. Choline is going to be huge, not only for the liver, but also for the brain. Um, vitamin D is going to be huge, especially with supplemental K2. Um, then what I also would recommend besides that is making sure that you're getting a lot of broad spectrum amino acids, whether that's a protein shake or whether that is um, protein at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's a lot of different ways to get protein into your diet. So making sure that you have all of your essential amino acids because without protein, your liver can't do its job. Vitamin C is a big one. Glutathione is huge as well. And then really powerful antioxidants like green tea, the catechins in green tea, resveratrol, um, turmeric and the curcuminoids that come from there. Um, any of these things are going to be beneficial to supporting the liver and supporting your gut. Um, those are going to be big. Those would be some things to think about. Also, cruciferous vegetables, huge for the sulforane here, helping making sure that estrogen is going down the right pathway. Um, that's going to be huge. So things like kale and broccoli rob, um, chard, collard greens, like whatever that is, you, whether you're adding it to a green smoothie or you're sauteing it for dinner and lunch, get in where you fit in. Those are going to be really big. So those would be the focus. And then lots and lots of fiber, you know, especially for your gut, especially for supporting that estrobolome, whether it is resistant starch fiber, or you're just getting fiber of any kind. Majority of us, we only get about 11 grams of fiber per day, women in particular, and we should be aiming up to 35 to 40 grams of fiber per day. And we just are super short changed on that. And so whether it's adding fiber to a smoothie or making sure that you really step up your greens, you step up your, um, your potatoes, you step up, um, even sweet potatoes, maybe it's your, your nuts and your seeds, whatever, getting where you fit in when it comes to getting your fiber, that's going to really support your gut and support your liver as well. I love that you said cruciferous vegetables because they are basically the anthem of the Estima diet. It's like, you got to get in the cruciferous vegetables. Yeah, like a pound. We're talking. Yeah. You, you. <laughs> like you have I to don't want to alarm anybody. <laughs> in one, luckily, in each sitting. you can no, saute a pound pretty, pretty easily. And if you break yeah. it up throughout your three meals yeah. or you put it into, I mean, I've always been a big green smoothie girl. And so we put a lot of, of uh, green leafy vegetables um, and cruciferous vegetables into our smoothies, just making sure that we're getting, um, getting, and if you're concerned about your thyroid, you can always blanch these and then put them in your smoothie or just make sure you're sauteing your veggies. A lot of wonderful things that you can do to make sure that you're getting a lot of those good cruciferous vegetables. If 
if you really want to step it up for your liver, broccoli sprouts are the way to go. You can grow your own broccoli sprouts in your own home, or you can get them at the farmer's market, which hopefully are starting to open again, um, or at the grocery store. Um, so those those are really, really potent. And we know that sulforane and broccoli sprouts have been shown to even, um, you know, support again, like to be, they're very breast cancer preventative. Yes. Yes. And I just to just to piggyback on what you're saying, whenever you are consuming these sulforaphanes, we are we know that the consumption of these cruciferous vegetables, which are high sulforaphane uh, containing compounds, they are going to reduce your all, all cause mortality. Okay. All reasons of death. You said breast cancer, cardiovascular disease, still the number one killer for women. Uh, breast cancer, as you mentioned, it's going to, it's going to reduce DNA damage. It's going to reduce inflammatory. Like there's so like this NF kappa B pathway, which is very, um, pro-inflammatory as you know. So it's, it's, so it's a win-win. It's like a, it's like a win-win, win-win-win. Like you win in all the areas, like the big killers, like cerebrovascular, cardiovascular. It also, like if that doesn't like, you know, shine it up for you enough, it helps in lipolysis. Like it helps you, it helps you burn fat. Yeah. Well, and I think what's most important, we think about all of the, you know, a lot of the chemicals out there are obesogens. And right. if we don't have a liver really highly functioning, I, I promise you, if you are a woman and you are past the age, age of 20, you've got some type of liver compromise, right? Yeah. It's just your liver is just having to work so hard. And so anything and everything that we can do to support the liver is going to be huge. But you think about when you're eating things like broccoli sprouts or cruciferous vegetables, all of the benefits, not only is the gut microbiome getting so much benefit from that, right? That, that you are all the fiber, making sure that you are moving bowel, bowel movements through, which is so, so critical, not only for the health of your colon, but just moving again, moving out excess hormones, moving out excess toxins, huge there, and also helping to stabilize insulin levels. We know that that's happening there, but also we think about these foods as being so pro anti-inflammatory, like there's, there's side benefits across the board. So by supporting your liver and your gut with, with getting the right nutrients, eating the, eating a lot of green leafy vegetables, um, making sure that you are getting enough water every single day, you are, you are reversing all most in all inflammatory conditions that you can that you can consider, whether it's cardiovascular disease, it's an autoimmune condition, whether it is dementia that you're concerned about or type two diabetes that you're worried about. Um, the recommendations that I'm making here is that we're talking about estrogen dominance. That's how this whole conversation started. There are a million side benefits um, that you're going to gain from this. Your brain's going to work better. You're going to have more energy. Your, your digestive system's going to work better. You're just going to feel better when your liver is working more, we're working properly. Um, I would say it's one of the areas where we, we don't think about our liver needing love until our doctor says your enzymes are elevated, you right. know, and then the transferases on the that's lab. That's the only test. time we're looking yeah. at that or we're thinking right. about it. But I promise you, your liver was screaming for help years prior to that. And there's only so many beautiful benefits we can get by supporting um, two of our biggest detoxification organs, your liver and your gut. Yeah. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. 
I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount, that is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. And let's, let's talk a little bit about chronic stress. You've brought it up a couple times now. I think it's, it's an important consider uh, consideration when we're actually talking about estrogen dominance and you are really a subject matter expert here. Um, so, and I, and I think that most of us, we like to, we like to discount, uh, you know, the physiological consequences of stress. Like what we think stress is, is like this red faced, you know, screaming, pulling their hair. That's like the stressed out person. When for women, of course, we have a very unique and separate stress response, number one. But number two, if my life is falling apart and you come to me and you say, Hey, Steph, how are you? What, what is the like 99% of the time I'm going to say, I'm fine. I'm great. How are you? You know, even though in the background, things are just, you know, it's all chaotic, right? How Let's many talk- of us is that the case, right? It's just, it's chaos back there. All, it's, and we're all like, it's, I great. mean, I put makeup yeah. on, but, <laughs> but what is it really looking like back there? Right, right. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Let's talk about that because I, one of my favorite, my favorite things to say is you cannot green smoothie your way out of chronic stress and you can't kale salad your way. And now I know I just touted all the benefits of green smoothies and kale salads. I recognize. And will they help you? 100%. Um, But we, you know, and, and will supplementation support you? You know, can you, can you give back to your mitochondria because your mitochondria is actually actually the ones that's making cortisol. Yes, you can absolutely take the alpha lipoic acid. You could take the acetyl L-carnitine. You can take the CoQ10. Um, I can keep naming all the things that your mitochondria needs to function. But at the end of the day, if you're constantly in a state of, of triggering up the stress response system, you're going to constantly continue to keep depleting. And we know that um, one of the biggest hormones involved, um, cortisol, is is going to have a profound impact on so many other hormone systems inside of the body, including estrogen dominance. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the the things that a lot of us don't know is that we think about cortisol, we think about the survival hormone, which yes, it is. But then one of the number one jobs of cortisol is to regulate insulin. And when we have a situation where cortisol isn't working properly, like when it's it's overly, we're just firing it off over and over and over again, you are then firing off insulin over and over. So we're constantly crying wolf. And what we know, you know, not to say that I'm not concerned about liver function and, and, and what happens with the liver and the gut when it comes to inflammation. But I always say that the number one hormone that women need to focus on when it comes to when it comes to our 40s and beyond is insulin because insulin we think about even you know we think about hemoglobin a1c as an inflammatory marker because of insulin resistance and that is also showing us 
um, that insulin resistance leads to dementia or cardiovascular disease or cancer or, you know, a number of different chronic conditions. And what a lot of us don't know is one of the biggest triggers for insulin resistance is going to be deregulated cortisol levels due to how we're managing stress in our stress response system on the daily. Um, and what we don't recognize, I think, Stephanie, what you said is that Anytime we we find ourselves kind of, you know, kind of like that, like we just get a text message or we're running late to a meeting or something's happening with our family or whatever that may be, you know, the average woman can can fire off the stress response system 25 to 50 times a day and just not even know it. Um, and we talked about this. I, I in my 20s, I was addicted to stress. I was, I leveraged it. I used to call stress my slight edge because that's when I felt that jolt of that little extra something, something that needed, I could use to get through the rest of my day. Um, and I just kept leveraging and leveraging and buying against it until I had severe chronic fatigue. And so Oftentimes, a lot of us, we're mistaking what we think is that extra something, that little extra energy, that extra jolt that we just got. Um, that's adrenaline, right? And that th what you just in order for us to have harnessed that adrenaline, we had to fire off the, um, the stress response system, the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And once we get into a habit of of pushing that button, we, we, we trigger it more and more and more. And, um, and initially we can get away with it. We could potentially get away with it for a decade, maybe even two decades. Um, and we can kind of brush off symptoms as, you know, just every day. That's how women are. That's, that's just the way things are for us. Um, but eventually it's going to start to show up. It's going to start to show up in prediabetes. It may show up in an autoimmune condition, or often I see it usually shows up in chronic fatigue and burnout. And I think that this is such an important topic to be having in light of lockdowns and the oh, pandemic yeah. and the amount of stress. I mean, we've, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but women have disproportionately been affected by this pandemic. Not only are we talking about child abuse and domestic abuse, but many women, I think the December numbers, um, you know, in the U S came out, it was like 500,000 women left the workforce. And in January it was like two, 275,000 women. It's like just astronomically abhorrent um, and because they had to lockdowns, yeah. children, homeschooling. So there's been this, and I'm, I'm doing homeschooling and conditions and, and then you layer it on top of like metabolic insufficiencies and metabolic syndrome. And some of these, some of these potential, you know, if she's sort of creeping towards the estrogen dominant, she has that progesterone that's lowering. And then you throw this like big whammy of a pandemic, you take away her ability to be financially, you know, independent and you, you add on all of this stress and this uncertainty, then all of a sudden you've just, you know, thrown gas on a fire. And, and we start to see this absolute dysregulation, as you were saying, in the HPA axis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said something really, um, uh, really interesting, and I just wanted to highlight it. So 
cortisol is technically a counter-regulatory hormone, meaning mm-hmm. it's supposed to uh, it, it's supposed to oppose insulin, yes. right? But you said, you know, 25, 50 times a day, we're getting these like shocks, like the adrenaline, you know, the boss is bothering you, the the child keeps interrupting you, the which is like my case, you know, like I'm trying to get work done every five minutes. Mommy, I need help with, you know. So something, you, you, something, it's something, always something. something, something. Yeah, you get, you're constantly being interrupted, you know, train of thought is, is broken, et cetera. So what happens, you know, metabolically and physiologically is cortisol is like, no insulin. No, 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 no. We can't, we can't bring the glucose into the cell right now. We need to put them in the muscle so that we can fight or flight the terror, we, the impending threat. Whatever you, threat that is, which is not sitting. a physical threat. Right. right. It's, it's usually you're sitting, you know, mm-hmm. your boss sends you a, 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 an email that, you know, uh, augments your, your heart rate, your, you know, your child interrupt, you know, you're not running around, you're not running away from the bear. So as you said, they actually tend, they, over time, they tend to actually go up and down together. Because cortisol is like, hey, I need the I need the blood glucose just in case. But insulin's like, listen, we're gonna die if there's this much blood glucose in the thing. Like we co-elevate. Yeah, they co-elevate. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how let's sort of tie this in with um solutions. Yeah, and with, <laughs> with some solutions, but also with insulin resistance, because I think yeah. that, you know, for a perimenopausal woman, one of the things that um, we know is she often complains of like brain fog, there's energy and moodiness as we've been talking about. And of course, when you're constantly firing off that adrenaline, now you're not making energy in the most efficient way. You actually move away from the mitochondria. So I just want to t- touch on that and then we yes. can get into insulin resistance, right? So the mitochondria... Um, is, is the center of what we call oxidative phosphorylation. This is like, you know, fancy where it just means most efficient way for our ATP to be being produced. But when you are, as you were saying, the cortisol, the adrenaline, the norepinephrine, these like catacol, these, these, these um, stress, uh, stressors, yeah. mm-hmm. we now are moving into less efficient ways of making energy, which is why, Betty, you are feeling bagged at two. It's why you reach for the coffee at three, right? Or the f- fourth coffee or whatever it is at that time. So let, let's talk a little bit about how this constant elevation of cortisol can lead into um, insulin resistance and just maybe explain, you know, it, it, what insulin resistance, it, what it is and its relationship to cortisol. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again, when we have that situation where like you had pointed out where our, where our bodies, cause our brain doesn't know the difference, right? I always talk the core mode of operation for our bodies is essentially survival. It's going to always, our body's always going to choose survival over anything else. Um, and it's over reproduction, over digestion, over the immune system. Like we know that if we're in a state of stress, our immune system shuts down for several hours because our body is having to reallocate resources to survival. Um, cause our brain just has not caught up with the fact that now there is Instagram and there's everyday stressors and there's, there's to-do lists and all the things like your brain, just keep still thinking that there's some type of the really, really serious physical danger out there. Um, And it does the best it can to address that. So when first, when we get that stress response, we know that we're going to fire off the catecholamines of epinephrine and norepinephrine. Those are going to be, that's that adrenaline that you feel that, that like you could almost go a little, like do a little sprint in that moment. The, then the next hormone that comes in is cortisol. It's, it's that long standing. That's what creates the 
chronic stress over time. Um, and when cortisol is released, like, like um, Stephanie said, it's, it's designed to be, you know, opposing, but over time, when we're constantly firing it, it ends up, end up, it ends up co-elevating insulin and insulin basically is crying wolf to our cells. Um, and eventually your cells are like, wait, nothing's happening. Why do I need to keep releasing, you know, and, and so ultimately your cells and those receptor sites for insulin, which are on every cell in the body begin to begin to become resistant. They, they, they can't keep taking the hit um, because it, it creates inflammation in the body. And that there's a lot of protective mechanisms in your body that says, okay, enough is enough. We're going to get in trouble here. And so when that happens, we know that unfortunately more glucose is in the bloodstream. We know that we start to see issues happen where we start to see inflammatory markers go up. And that's the biggest concern around insulin resistance is that we start to create more inflammation in the body um, where we, we start to see the belly fat, where we start to see the brain fog. We start to experience those cravings. Um, we start to see a deregulation of estrogen and progesterone. Because when I think about the hierarchy of our hormones, it's usually the metabolic hormones. It's going to be cortisol, it's going to be insulin, and it's going to be thyroid. Over time, we're going to see potentially a deregulation of our of our of our T3 and T4 hormones as well, our thyroid hormones. Um, and ultimately, what what we what we begin to see over time, if we keep firing off the stress response system, is that we're just creating more and more and more inflammation, and that's where a lot of these symptoms are coming from. Yeah. So let's let's move into some solutions. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be women who are listening to this, you know, right now uh, in our Betty community, when we release this on, on the podcast live that are going to say, man, I got all of that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I got the chronic stress. I, got I the had it. Resistance. <laughs> you know, I have the thyroid issues. I have the estrogen dominance, I have the low progesterone. How do I begin to eat this elephant? Mm -hmm. So how would you counsel someone in terms of where you might start? Mm -hmm. Um, deconstructing this. And then I'd like to like to talk a little bit about essential oils as well, but let's talk about what were some, what would be some of the first steps that you might take? And I, I I'll say this with, um, you know, what I used to be the person still healing from this type A tendency, yeah. but it used to be like, okay, I'm going to do everything now. Like now I'm going to be the perfect exercise person. I'm going to be the perfect. I'm going to cut up all my food. And I actually, I still do that, but like, you know, cut up all I was my gonna say, girl. <laughs> You're like, I saw your Instagram story. I saw I those saw food. <laughs> So I still do that, but it's like, I'm going to do it all. And then, so you start and you're like, you've put all these new behaviors on your, on your plate and in your life. And what we don't realize is these actually are like hundreds of behavioral changes and decisions that you, that you've just changed. So most people will start and then they fall off and then they're like, damn it, is something wrong with me? So how can we, how can we slowly wade into this water uh, and not skydive out of a helicopter, which is what I, I used to do, but how can we, how can we move into this with some grace and some ease to start making that minimum effective change for or minimum effective um, dose to start making the change? Well, I think the first, uh, I think the first step is mindset. And I think that's such a big part of your book and my book, you know, and, and it's just from recovering type A stressaholic. I, I'm, I'm going to claim a stressaholic. I'm not going to claim you are. I'm going to claim I am. Um, and being a uh, recovering stressaholic who can definitely find herself back in that place. And, and someone had written, I'm still recovering from adrenal issues. And um, yep, right here, I'm still working on leveling out and healing, you know, cortisol. I've had severe chronic 
fatigue issues. And I also have Hajimoto's thyroiditis. And I promise you that it was from a lot of chronic stress, you know, and so I've, I've, I've experienced what, what it can look like to um, have gone too far in the, you know, in the direction of just, just burning myself out, burning myself to the ground. Um, I want to first address the stress response system just really quickly, because again, I know, especially during the pandemic and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, my husband literally five minutes before I came on here was like, I'm pretty sure I have a concussion. I've got to go to the doctor and I've got, we got a three month old baby. We were in a bad car accident yesterday. Um, I cannot tell you how scary and frightening that was to be in the car with my three month old and to be in a really bad accident. And so like, you know, like, how do you handle these moments and how do you handle the, the coming days of these moments where it kind of the fallout of all of that mess. And, um, I think that first step is is awareness, is recognizing kind of some of those those telltale signs of you're feeling stressed, languaging that you may use at some to somebody, um, tension in your chest or in your shoulders or in your neck. Maybe you notice that people in your life are kind of looking at you like you're coming at them sideways. You know, like when you people are responding to you in a way. I think that first step is no one noticing, and then um, a couple of ways that we can shift away from the stress response system. Because again, when you're in it, your your brain is focused in that moment and it's focused on the stressor. Um, We've got to be able to shift our state, change our state. And so literally shaking, shaking something, shaking it out, walking around, um, that'll literally, it only takes a couple of seconds to move yourself from a stress response mode to back to a more parasympathetic, relaxed rest mode. Um, but the other thing I recommend is if, if you find yourself there, shake it out, take a walk, take a breather, just even a circle in your house. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, or the next thing, if you've, you definitely got a couple seconds is just taking some deep belly breaths, you know, six to eight deep belly breaths. If you have an essential oil like lavender or clary sage or bergamot, we can talk about those in just a second. Something that, you know, relaxes you something that you, you already know, like your brain knows is comfortable and relaxing, it'll send a safety signal to the brain that says everything is okay. Everything's okay. We don't have to keep firing off these catecholamines. We don't have to keep firing off the stress response system. And that's all we want. We want your brain to get distracted from the stressor. And it's going to be like, okay, everything's fine again. Let's just be, let's go back to everything being normal. And, um, And if you're thinking to yourself, well, Marisa, I have no idea when this is happening to me. Like, I really don't know. Then I recommend having your phone um, and on the hour, having a little chime, just a little, not the barking dog, not the one not to scare the you. siren, not the siren. <laughs> yeah. Don't send yourself into a stress response system. Right. Don't you hate those alarms? We're rare, rare. Yeah. like, oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, you sending everybody like guarantee yeah. the whole family just went into a stress response. The chimes. System. There's the chime one. Yeah, there's there's like really the, beautiful da, da, da. little yeah. chimes. You could have yeah. maybe a babbling brook, you know, ocean waves, whatever it is that you love, whatever gets you into that state of calm. 
And, and, and that little chime, just take a moment for yourself, shake it out, walk, and then take those six to eight deep belly breaths. Um, and you know, maybe there's a little affirmation that, you know, maybe it's a gratitude affirmation or it's a, a superwoman or a Betty body affirmation that just gets you back into your zone of genius where you're thriving. Um, and you can do this automatically, um, all day long, every hour on the hour, you just, you reset the system and you tell your brain um, that everything is okay. And what's so beautiful about this is over time, um, you are retraining the way that you're, you're, you respond to stimulus and that, you know, what, what could, what used to set you off just isn't doing it anymore. So over time, this actually, this actually works as a preventative um, so that you are, what, what was firing off the stress response system just isn't doing it anymore at all. So what used to trigger me just doesn't trigger me anymore like it like it used to and and thank goodness for that so that I just want to just speak into because that's its own practice and I will be honest with you it is a practice Um, it's not something that's going to come inherent it's not something that's going to come automatic in the beginning but I will tell you what it is I for me it was a pathway to survival Um, and my and my brain and the way that I respond to stimulus is very different today than it used to be. These are so great. And let's, let's talk a little bit about essential oils, because Mm -hmm. I think uh, you mentioned lavender, which I definitely want. I pulled a couple of really fun studies um, for us to maybe talk about, but I think sometimes you've, you've just given such great suggestions, like a little bit of movement, you know, a little bit of like, I'm okay. I'm safe. I feel, you know, you're in your body. I think sometimes at least I've heard this, um, when it comes to essential oils, sometimes people can sort of like roll their eyes and poo poo it a little bit because they are like, Oh, it's just like a, you know, it's not really a thing, but there's mm-hmm. actually quite a bit of a lot robust of research. lit. Yes. There is a lot of literature around, uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about lavender in a moment. Um, but quite a bit. And like the way that it, you know, there's many ways that you can interact with an essential oil. You can uh, smell it, you can put it on your body. Um, I actually have your roller bomb right here. Uh, you can diffuse it, you know, um, but what, when you're smelling it, at least my understanding of it, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it stimulates the nasal receptors in the, in the nasal cavity goes into the olfactory bulb. This is the oldest nerve, like the most ancient, like the cranial nerve one uh, for olfaction is basically you have a direct um, through the, through the nasal plate, you have a, basically a direct uh, contact from, with the nerves in the, in the, like the nasal nerves and into the, yeah, it goes system. from the mitral cells and directly into the limbic system. And right. that, and it has a profound impact on the amygdala, the hippocampus, the hypothalamus. I mean, honestly, uh, the olfactory nerve and how you're, what you're smelling, because your sense of smell, we always think about smelling fear, mm-hmm. right? Um, your sense of smell is directly tied to your sense of survival and you can use scent to modulate that. Right. So let's, let's talk about lavender because Mm -hmm. we've been talking about perimenopause and menopause. We've been talking about stress. So I pulled this one uh, and I'll, I'll put this link in the show notes for everyone, but 
when you are directly smelling lavender, it can lower, I'm just reading my notes here, lower autonomic nervous system arousal, including lowering blood pressure, heart rate, skin temperature has been shown to lower cortisol levels, which is what we've been talking about. It is basically an antagonist to something called the NMDA receptor. And there's a dose response effect, meaning the more lavender you smell, the more you use, the more powerful um, the responses. Is. Yes. Yeah. It, that it acts as an antagonist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So profound, so powerful that simply smelling lavender essential oil, it's the linalool and the linalool acetate, those chemical constituents um, can literally within a matter of seconds, send the safety signal to the brain that that turns off the stress response system like that. Yes. And for women, you know, there was another, we won't, we won't get into it too much, but there was, when we think about Alzheimer's disease, right. Mm -hmm. We talk about like type three diabetes is sort of one of the nicknames for one of the types of Alzheimer's. Again, lavender essential oil has been shown with like have a protective effect on cognitive decline and Alzheimer's and it regulate, it it down-regulates some of those inflammatory pathways, Mm -hmm. NRF2, up-regulates BDNF, brain derived neurotrophic factor. I mean, this is, this is profound. This is incredible. So this is, would this be, is this like one of your top oils, lavender or? Yeah. Yeah, And lavender, so lavender, because of the linal acetate, that's really, and the linalol are the two chemical constituents that are doing this. The beautiful thing is, is there's a lot of other floral oils that actually do that as well. Um, Clary sage is one of those oils. That's why I I love clary sage for sleep. I love it for the stress response system. Um, It's clary sage is all kinds of other amazing benefits as well. It's, um, you know, lavender and clary sage are anti-inflammatory. As you're reading, I love clary sage specifically for helping to reduce prostaglandins when we're dealing with menstrual cramps. Um, But yeah, no, there are other essential oils that can do this. Lavender just happens to be one of those really popular ones that, you know, popular girl. Yeah, she's popular. But a lot of the florals can do this. Jasmine can do it. Rose can do it. Um, Roman chamomile. We think about the calming of Roman chamomile tea. It's that same, that same concept we're working with the same chemical constituents. Clearly there's a lot of different chemical constituents in some of these oils, but the three that we see the most well-researched is gonna be lavender. I mean, in Europe, they give you, um, they give you oral dosage of, la- dosage of lavender, like a couple, I forget exactly how much they're giving you um, to reduce symptoms of anxiety. They have found it to be as effective as a Xanax. That's incredible. So let's talk about some of your favorite oils. So we've talked about, you know, you can maybe use lavender for sleep. If you're feeling very anxious, um, what would be, you know, your favorite, uh, maybe even you know, genus of essential oils, you said like the floral oils um, for brain fog, for example. Mm-hmm. So the big focus, I would I would say for brain fog, a lot of the herbs. So rosemary um, has a chemical constituent called 1,8-cinolol, um, and it is phenomenal for boosting um, acetyl-alcholine in the brain as well. Um, and that it, it just helps to focus on more alertness, more productivity, and it helps to boost memory. So rosemary is huge. Um, peppermint, um, menthol, um, and it has monoterpenes in it. And peppermint is phenomenal, not just for, I always think of peppermint as being one of these 
amazing multitaskers, kind of like the liver. Um, it's great for headaches. It is great for focus and energy. It's a phenomenal energy booster. It's amazing for nausea and motion sickness. It's great for sugar cravings as well. Just breathe in some peppermint and that chocolate craving that you thought you weren't going to like, beat gone. It's like your brain is like, what happened? I don't even know what happened. I didn't, I don't even have a what chocolate craving, what, what craving. Um, and it's also peppermint's phenomenal as I call it the energizer bunny. It's a powerful instant energy oil, especially when you combine it with, um, any, any citrus, wild orange, tangerine, lemon, grapefruit, again, monoterpenes there as well. Um, just phenomenal. That little combo, I call it like the instant energy booster, like a grapefruit and a peppermint. And you will go from zero to 10 in a matter of seconds. So those are just some of my, my absolute favorites for boosting, for boosting um, brain, brain fog or alertness and focus and concentration. Another one that I love is frankincense. Frankincense, again, also a lot of monoterpenes there. Um, frankincense is powerful. It's very anti-inflammatory. You know, when you look up, um, like we're thinking about for my husband's um, or anyone, he's dealing with this, you know, this small um, concussion frankincense is phenomenal for helping to support um, reduce inflammation of the brain especially for things like like minor concussions so Alex has got a roller of frankincense that he's using right now the second that we knew he started showing symptoms of um, of a TBI yeah and I I use um, rosemary on my hair I feel like yes it's, my it's skin, great for hair like, growth well I use it oh. I mean you can see my hair is like really long it's, it's, You've it's got all hair the rosemary growth. no I, I I love the way it feels on my scalp like it feels like I'm just I don't know I I, I always after a shower a little rosemary um, and what I do before my workouts this is my little secret um, thing that I'm going to share with you I, I take an inhalation of peppermint mm-hmm I was, I was, um, I did another, um, essential oil podcast with uh, Melissa Ramos and in my preparation for, we were talking about thyroid, like, you know, oils for the thyroid on that, Mm -hmm. um, on that conversation. But I found in my research that direct inhalation of peppermint can increase your, listen to, listen to these things. Okay. So it increases your grip strength, your vertical jump, your standing long jump, visual and auditory reaction time, heart rate variability, push up performance, and it decreased the quarter mile runtime. So these people after taking, you know, inhaling, I, I, I forget the dose. I have the, I have the link here for the study so I can just pop it up. But after inhaling peppermint, their athletic performance generally, like all of these different parameters of athletic performance were improved. So sometimes when I wake up out of bed, this is usually when, in the morning when I work out, it's, and it's like, this isn't happening today. I'll take a, take a little whiff of peppermint. I'm like, okay, I'll just see what I can do. You're, you know? go, you're going ready. Yeah. A lot of marathons, ultra marathon runners, um, athletes use peppermint, um, or even, um, they use laurel leaf, you know, or eucalyptus to open up just expanding the alveoli expanding the airways to just get more oxygen input so that they can, they can run more. They can like, you like very similar to what you're experiencing, higher jump time, faster running, um, and they'll carry little vials of, peppermint and eucalyptus on their runs um, to kind of give them that little slight edge. Love that. Let's do like a little uh, rapid fire, little like rapid fire essential oil and essential Mm -hmm. oil addition. Um, Favorite, favorite carrier oil. 
What's your favorite? favorite carrier oil? For me, I just, I love coconut oil. It's so easy. And so we, I fractionate coconut oil um, as a second. I love Jehovah oil because it's so great for, it's very similar to the sebum, sebum of our skin. So I will also use Jehovah oil as well. Nice. What's the one EO that you use every day without fail? Jasmine. Jasmine. Jasmine is the oil of self-confidence and um, love, love Jasmine. A second is going to be wild orange or tangerine because they are known as oils of abundance. So I love to kick off my day with abundance. Um, But Jasmine, it is, it is intoxicating. I can't, I mean, it, I just can't, I've never been able to get enough of this oil and pure Jasmine. It's usually um, in a very small amount like this. It's about 10,000 petals to like of pure jet. I mean, it's just in just incredible. Um, it's, it's so soothing. It's relaxing. It smells delicious, delectable. So it's one of my absolute favorites. Oh, wow. You know, I like Jasmine tea. I've never, I don't think I've ever smelled Jasmine mm. essential oil. That's something I'm, I'm, I'm gotta be careful, gentle. girl. Geo. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a it's new a, addiction. It's a, it's a libido booster. So oh. Jasmine's also a libido booster. It's a confidence mm. booster. Um, so just, just a heads up. Um, I use it as a, as a little, little confidence booster. <laughs> I'm very attracted to Rose. There's something about Rose that I can't get enough of in the same way that you're describing Jasmine. I feel like that about Rose. Like I always want Rose oil on my face. I have a little thing for my bedroom. Uh, so it's really interesting. Okay. Frankincense or myrrh? Mm, frankincense. Mm. I just love, I love the, the multitude, the one, the research on frankincense over, overall. Um, and just the, I love the way it smells. Um, I love it in diffusers, you know, and I, I've, I guess I've done more research on frankincense than I've done on myrrh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably am persuaded in that direction due to the research. Yes. I, I tend to prefer frankincense as well. I just, I, I maybe it's just the scent of it. I like the scent mm-hmm. of it a bit better. I, um, when I was dealing with a lot of estrogen dominant issues, I would often in a carrier oil put directly onto my breasts. Like when they were very tender, I would put that directly on my skin and that seemed to actually help quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Almost done. Peppermint or spearmint? Ooh, um, peppermint for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Spearmint is better for kids. Um, so it's just a little bit, it's a little less intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're working with kids, like for like a little tummy blend, um, spearmint would be my, my choice there. Um, but spearmint, you know, it, it's, I love my super sexy blend for spearmint is like tangerine, grapefruit and spearmint. It's like an, it's like an icy, icy energy. So if you were ever thinking about making a diffuser blend, that is my, my favorite combo there. Love that. And what is, what has been when you first started, and I know that this, you've been in, in the essential oil world for a long time, but what was the, maybe one of the first one or two, you know, surprises that you learned about essential oils when you were first learning about them? Was there anything that really stuck out to you where you're like, oh, this really, this makes so much sense. Or I never realized that this was a possibility with essential oils. Mm, I love that. Oh, um, tangerine, spearmint, and grapefruit. Um, that is so emotional. All the emotional. Um, I I was so profoundly um, blown away by all of the research on how to support mood, um, how to support depression, like Melissa, frankincense, citrus oils, um, how to support anxiety, things like Roman chamomile, the wood oils like cedarwood um, and, and sandalwood, sandalwood, cedarwood, um, clary sage. Those were some of the biggest oils 
oils for um, for anxiety, um, and even oils for promoting joy and and just happiness. And the citruses that I named again, oils like basil um, and rose, those were big big players. And so I think, I, you know, when I was educating, um, you know, literally about essential oils for for a couple of years there, and having women come back to me and share their stories, what what oils were doing for them on, on an emotional level, um, overcoming from overcoming trauma to dealing with with mood swings to overcoming stress and burnout and overwhelm. I was just blown away. So when I think about when I think about using essential oils, I always think about how I want to I, I use them to choose my mood. Like, how do I want to I always ask myself, how do I want to feel right now? How do I want to feel today? And I, I pick essential oils based on their emotional component where the research really guides. And so I think that was one of the biggest things that I that I was so blown away. And especially the research that you demonstrated earlier, too. I mean, if if we unknowingly are constantly triggering that stress response system and we feel like we don't have a lot of tools to get it back under control and an essential oil just by breathing it in. Now, mind you, there's an act and there's a practice in doing that. But then those chemical constituents are going to go straight through that that olfactory nerve, hit the mitral cells, head into the limbic system, and they are going to work you know, chemically on, on our limbics, on our limbic brain. And it's, they're going to calm down the amygdala. You know, you think about the amygdala being the stranger danger center of the brain. It's constantly sensing if there's a danger or if there's a situation that you need to be mindful of, what if we could just calm that hypersensitivity down a little bit um, by using essential oils. And that's what I've seen with children and, and women, people across the board using oils to just, again, just bring a sense of calm, like that kind of that safety signal um, to the brain that says everything is okay. And bringing you, it sounds like you're also just bringing, you know, with that practice, what we're always trying to find ways to get into our body, right? Mm-hmm. We're always Absolutely. trying to find ways to attune and like, as you said, send that safety signal, but also just be like, just check in and be like, okay, girl, mm-hmm. like, we're good. You know, like hand over your heart. Like for me, it's like throat chakra, heart chakra. Like you're good. You're fine. We're good. You know, take a breath, pause, become present. Um, love all of that. All right. So tell the Bettys about your book, tell them where they can find the book. I know you have some really great book bonuses. So tell them all of the things where they can find you on the interwebs, all of the juicy, all the juicy places. Absolutely. Well, I think so much about exactly what you do, Dr. Stephanie, is that I think it's important for all of us to feel heard you know, that our symptoms are valid, that what we're going through, um, that we're not alone on that journey. So a big part of this book is really going into the why. Why is this happening? Why are we dealing with estrogen dominance? Why are we dealing with hot flashes? Why are we dealing with with belly fat? Like, why are we dealing with some of these, these symptoms? What is going on? And what is what are some of the root causes that are driving it? Because the the answer, and I know that's why each everyone's here in this beautiful membership, in this beautiful group, is because we, you know, we, we're, we're over the status quo of the doctor saying, oh, you're in perimenopause, here's birth control pills. You know, that's, we're over that. Like, no, I want to know why. Like, why am I having this symptomology? So a big part of the book is really diving into the root causes and then providing not only research-backed supplementation, um, self-care, lifestyle, essential oils too, all of its research. I didn't put anything into that. I couldn't back up with research um, throughout the whole whole book. And then I have a 21-day hormone makeover program 
program that really incorporates the self-care, incorporates beautiful rituals, um, nutrition, and really kind of helps to heal the gut and the liver. So that's all built into the whole book as well. And again, what I think so much about this journey is one, we know it's a journey, right? We It's not just one and done. Oh, I'm over this. Oh, I can move on. Um, but we also deserve the instant wins. We deserve wins throughout the day. We deserve those check-ins throughout the day. And I think that's really where essential oils come into play is that I deserve that little reset here. I deserve the energy booster. I deserve the, the relaxation moment. I deserve that little burst of abundance and joy built into my day all day long. That's where essential oils come into play. But then also I am building into this beautiful journey that is healing my body. And I know that that's going to take a little bit longer. It's going to be more involved. And so throughout that bigger journey, um, oils, I feel like they're such beautiful tools for giving us so many of those beautiful instant wins. So that's what you're going to get from this book is all of that. And they can yeah. find the book anywhere. Oh, yeah. So you can it. find the book anywhere. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all over. And I do have an amazing, um, all these beautiful book bonuses that go with it. There were a bunch of chapters that didn't make it into the book because I wrote a big book. <laughs> um, so chapters, we get you get the bonus chapters on that. Um, you get, I have a two-hour masterclass that really dives into root causes and really the, the how-to to implement. Um, because there's a program with recipes, you get a, a beautiful shopping guide, like just all these epic bonuses that I, that I know, um, women want to, like, they just, they're designed to take action immediately on, um, that come with the book. And so I believe we'll have the book bonus, um, a link there, um, so that you can go and do that, grab the book, get your bonuses. So it's a toolkit that goes with the book. I love that. And we will have all of these links in the show notes for you. Um, and then your podcast, essentially you tell them where they can find you there and then on the internet as well. Yes. And yes, there is an audio book. I just, I literally just chose the narrator. I will not be narrating the book. Um, It's not my zone of genius to narrate. And I got a a brand new baby. So I got to be really mindful of my time. Um, But yes, Essentially You podcast is fully dedicated to women's hormone health. Um, That, I mean, you want, and I know we, you guys do this on on the Better Podcast as well, but we dive into the nitty gritty of metabolic issues. We dive into the nitty gritty of PCOS, endometriosis, autoimmune conditions, like really understanding the why and the root causes behind these and then what we can do. Um, That's what the full podcast is devoted to. Wonderful. Yeah. Marita, you didn't disappoint. Yeah, I came full out, played full out. You, I know you've given so much value to our Hello Betty members and of course our better podcast listeners as well. Um, I always just want to thank you and you know throw sunshine to you because you are such a you are such a strong woman and you're such a model. You know when you talk about your mom being the ultimate Betty, you are also a Betty. You know you Aww. do you you really do embody you know the masculine with like the production and the accolades and the success and the feminine, the soft the nurturing, the know-how and the being. So I just wanted to um, honor you and so glad that you've come back on the podcast. It's always, it's always just great whenever I get to see you. It's so mm-hmm. good. And, and you know, this, I, I am like you, I think community is my immunity. And the more that I get to, you know, hang out with women like you, I feel energized now. Like it's, you know, right time, it's time for me to go to bed and I'm <laughs> bouncing around now because of this awesome conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me. And thank you so much, everyone in this group. What's, what a beautiful community of women supporting each other. I just want to just say, you know, I'm so glad that you that you said yes and you chose in to this community because that is that first step, right? We choose in and um, to be a part of something, just something bigger where we get nurtured and we get nourished, but we also are able to give that back as well. I mean, women, we tend and befriend is what we do. And we're seeing that here in live action. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, Betty, I hope you got a lot out of that. I know I sure did. I know that my Bettys inside my Hello Betty membership were taking notes like the geeky, nerdy, amazing women that they are. And I hope that you found this valuable as well. And I just wanted to read a review that came in. I love to celebrate Bettys that take the time from all over the world to either leave me a five-star review on iTunes or to review it. I see all of them. And this one is coming in from Germany. This is from Dr. UJT. And her title is Morning Routines Are Sexist. I could not agree more. I am a medical doctor who has to show up at 7 a.m. in the OR and I struggle to get enough sleep anyway. So talking about morning routines are just not happening. So thank you so much, Doc, um, for that. I super appreciate the time that you took to write this out, knowing how busy you are. And if you would love, if you are finding that this podcast is valuable, you're loving the content that we're putting out, I would invite you to leave a five-star rating, or if you have the time, a review like this, I would love to read it out and to feature you. So until next week, I bid you adieu, and I hope that it is a great one. I'll talk to you very soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. 